0: Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with TheIndyCars.com. My name is Abhishek and this issue's cover is on one of the fastest growing unicorns in India and not the kind you may have come across as final consumers. Moglix is an e-commerce outfit, but one which sells to businesses. Joining me on the call to talk about his cover is Forbes India's Manu Balachandran. Hi Manu, welcome back on a back-to-back cover.
1: Hi Abhishek, good to be back. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well. Thank you. You'll have to first start explaining our listeners about how a B2B site is different from a B2C one, meaning an e-commerce site that sells to commercial customers. And how big is the market in the first place?
1: Right. Uh, It's very simple. The B2C market is essentially what, you know, it's like mostly what Flipkart and Amazon and, you know, all of these guys do. I mean, it sells directly to us. While in a B2B business, it's mostly, you know, you deal directly with the business. In the case of MogLeaks, it's not that they just only focused on B2B. They also have a business where, you know, you and I can go and buy mostly, say, for instance, N95 masks or industrial pumps, you know things like that that we need. but because they are in a category where they're mostly into you know selling manufacturing stuff, it caters to companies and businesses because they are the ones who will need probably 10 15 you know motor pumps uh, at their manufacturing sites. Uh, when it comes to the uh, India's e-commerce b2b market, it's currently about 1.7 billion. I mean that's according to a report by Reds here. Uh, that's expected to grow at about 80% CAGR. In comparison, the B2C business, e-commerce business, that's at about 18 billion, which is phenomenal. And that's also going to be growing at about 40% CAGR. But the B2B business, it's physical stores, it's offline. That is worth 700 billion dollars uh, at this point, or, or I think in about, t- till about two years ago. Think of it as, you know, what even Moglik later tells me about, you know, how they want to be the Chawdi Basar. Uh, Chabri Basar is in Delhi, where you get all these industrial goods. So they want to take that to the online, you know, model and, and sort of expand.
0: Incidentally, that was my next question is that how... Uh, would they like to position themselves and that's what it is and they want to be a one-stop shop for all commercial needs then
1: absolutely and uh, and uh, they they have managed to uh, do that for some time they've got a big list of clients and obviously that was quite evident you know even during the crisis when Delhi was sort of breathless uh, they've got a huge uh, client following at this point and uh, they've managed to sort of take that business that what they call Chawri Bazaar business into the online world and have managed to crack it, which is essentially why they have managed to raise uh, so much uh, money so far and become a unicorn. Uh,
0: how would you describe their business model? What are the different revenue streams?
1: One is, like I said earlier, they, anybody, for instance, businesses can buy, you know, um, um, not their products, they're essentially the middlemen, but they, they sell these products on their platform. You and I can buy those uh, online. The second bit is they, they also sort of want to be what they call an operating system, which is basically a full, full stack service that will cover everything from procurement, packaging, supply chain financing, okay. and integrate into their whole uh, procurement plans. What they're trying to solve is, you know, the whole problem around the offline world, you know, you have to go to a seller, you know, based on his mood that day. You will probably get at a certain price, so they're sort of trying to uh, fix all of that, make it so much more easier in, in the whole procurement process. If you have to service them, then make it easier. They'll be the one-stop solution for all of that, which is big. I mean, when you think about it, you know, any big any big manufacturing company, you need all of these services, and uh, these guys want to fix that. That is that is essentially how he's positioning as a one-stop solution for businesses in their entire procurement plans.
0: And whom does uh, Moglix count as uh, competitors? Uh, it's a field which is, you know, you mentioned 1.7 billion. One might say it's fledgling. So who are the folks that Moglix is up against?
1: So that is something I had asked Rahul Gurd, the CEO of the company and the founder. The only company he referred to was India Mart. But then the only thing is they don't really consider them as, uh, as competitors because India Mart is essentially a listing service. It basically connects the seller to the buyer. Whereas here, uh, you know, they're trying to sort of uh, solve the problem, be the, be the people who are solving the problem.
0: Right. Are these products made to order? Because I would uh, imagine, see, whether it's a biscuit or a diaper, you just have to know the size. And then there would be companies who sell them on e-commerce platforms, whereas in industrial goods, how do I even know as a business folk? That I can get this on Moglix. Uh,
1: a lot of business needs, you know. I mean, you you're very clear about it, standardized. But I think when it comes, these guys also will be working with manufacturers. So uh, at some point, of course, I mean, when when I'm sure, you know, they will consider that you know made to specific sort of orders. But otherwise, mostly, you know, uh, what is what is available in the market and and sell it online. Yeah.
0: And I, I was surprised that this figure. Well, I shouldn't be, but but still, even in in this uh, uh, in B two B, that tier two and tier three cities contribute to a good sixty five percent of all business, uh, which is huge. <laughs>
1: It is it is huge. I asked him specifically, so he said 65% of the company's business comes from uh, tier two and tier three towns. The rest of it, uh, 35%, that that's basically from you know the manufacturing hubs that could be very close to Pune. You know, it could be close to gurgaon You know, that is where the rest of the business comes from. But bulk of it, and that's mostly led by the SMEs and MSMEs who are uh, procuring from him, uh, which is which is massive, you know, for a country like India.
0: And let's talk about Mr. Rahul Garg himself. You've referred to him a couple of times so far. Uh, he, As a founder, he's got some chops, doesn't he? 16 patrons is what you write. He's got his name, IIT Kanpur, ISB, worked at Google.
1: And what is fascinating is that this is his third startup. The other two times when he started out a company, he had co-founders. This time he just decided to go alone. You know, when he went alone, he's basically built a unicorn just by doing that. Unlike many other, you know, e-commerce startups where there are so many other founders. He's about 42 years old. He's worked in, uh, you know, the tech. He's got a tech background. He's worked there in that industry for 15 years. He spent about, of that, about five years at Google uh, in Singapore. And then one day decided that uh, he wanted to sort of quit Google and then start out on his own. Uh, Part of that was inspired by his father, who uh, he said was, was the CEO for a manufacturing company and sort of ran, I think about sixteen or so manufacturing units in Hyderabad and across uh, northern India. He was always fascinated by that world, and then came in and then to set up or solve this problem in the manufacturing business.
0: And how did he manage to woo the investors in quick time? In that, what is it that they see in uh, the uh, in the firm? Because they are also early betters as such, aren't they? And who are these investors?
1: So there's a whole bunch of, I mean, uh, there's Tiger Global, there's Tata, there's Jungle Capital, there is Falcon Edge. Uh, they've managed to raise about 220 million so far. But I think everybody sees the potential that, uh, you know, I mean, they're trying to solve a sort of a niche uh, business problem. We are in India sort of trying to turn a lot of our attention towards manufacturing. So there is huge potential in that business, and a lot of companies. The government is giving a massive push to manufacturing. So when you're trying to do that, and a lot of MSME SMEs, you know, coming up, then you you have to solve the problem of procurement for all of them, which is where the single biggest opportunity for Mogrix lies. And uh, and and I think that is what all the uh, you know investors saw in him.
0: Saw right. And and the last one is what about you know making money, as in profitability? Uh, indeed, e-commerce is a tough industry to be in, in the first place and making profits at the moment may not be on his mind at all, but you can, if you can help understand, you know, what's the
1: plan? So they are not burning too much cash, unlike many other startups to sort of uh, acquire clients. But at the same time, you know, uh, what, what he sees in this is, like we mentioned, you know, the ma- the opportunity is massive. He's probably just at the tip of the iceberg right now. So he say, what his point is that if he stays this way and just tries to capture even 20-25% of the market, which is humongous, he's well on course to generate massive amount of money in the, in the future and obviously in that process make good amount of profit. Because the market provides him that opportunity, he says he's safe. He's already moved, he's got the first mover advantage and he's, he's already set up that business. So going forward, uh, you know, just just letting the market take its own sort of natural course of action, uh, he should be able to sort of capture a big pie of that.
0: And and you mentioned first mover advantage. So we'll. Uh, I think, yes, that's a big one. And we hope, right. uh, Manu, in due course, you might do a follow-up uh, to bring Mo- to light where Mowgli stands maybe a year, a year after uh, this cover was done.
1: Definitely, Abhishek, I think I'll take your suggestion and probably we'll we'll take a look at it from a year, year from now and see how manufacturing has changed. I mean, there's so much, you know, happening in manufacturing. Also, there's a lot of, you know, vocal for local, you know, with all the whole, you know, COVID crisis and then the skirmishes on the border. So if that helps them, indeed helps the manufacturing sector, then, uh, and you know, eventually how does that trickle down to companies like Mowglings will be quite fascinating. So we'll probably take a part of that in a year from now.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Manu. Thank you very much for your time on this Thank podcast you. as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Abhishek. Good to see you.
0: All your listeners, uh, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com, uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google, Apple Podcasts, or whichever app you use to consume your content. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818. And also look for other podcasts from uh, Forbes India. There's one called Teenpreneur, an interview series with young entrepreneurs and We also have from the bookshelf of Forbes India conversations about business economics and books.